Hey, this is Barbara Corker, and you are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. This episode is presented by AT&T Business. Today, we're going to be talking about making good choices. How do you make the right choice for yourself at a crossroads? And what do you consider? Well, I'm going to be talking about what exactly to consider and listening to three of our great listeners. One guy has started his own business, doing very well from the get-go and wants to jump. And he had three or four more people to grow his business overnight. Is that a smart choice? Another lady was speaking to is debating between buying a franchise and opening up her own restaurant, which is the right way to go. She's at a crossroad. And we're going to be speaking to a woman with a big corporate job doing very well. And yet she wonders, should I start a side hustle? Let's see what goes into making a great choice. Hi, Barbara. I'm looking at starting a business and have the industry and idea down. But there's a couple of different ways that I could go about it. I could work with a franchise to get the business started, or I could do it all on my own. My question is, what are your thoughts about um, starting a business using a franchise versus starting a business all on your own? Thank you. Hope to hear from you. Bye. So tell me about what you're, you, you alluded to your idea that you had. Uh, in your industry. Tell me what industry and what's your idea? So the industry is in the ice cream. So food industry. Um, Mm -hmm. The idea really, I kind of got to back up because me and my husband, were looking to buy a business. We want to buy something that's established. Um, Mm -hmm. We've done the house flipping thing for the last seven years. Um, We kept moving and now we want to buy a business that's going to actually be profitable and give us cash flow. So we've been looking at established businesses. Um, we found one that we really like. It is a seasonal ice cream shop, but it is franchise based. And so I was wondering for a first time business owner, is that something you recommend or would stay away from? Well, the one that you're considering buying into the franchise, uh, does it sing a song to you? Do you love it? Or do you feel like, hey, that's close enough to what we envisioned, dear. Why don't we go for it? Is it kind of what you had in your head that someone else already is doing? Yeah, I think it's a a really good franchise. I mean, it's exciting to us. It has like a lot of fun parts to it. It comes with a food truck. So there's like a lot of different ways that we can have revenue um, from it. Mm -hmm. Have you spoken to other franchise owners in that particular chain? Um, I've spoken with the franchise owner of this um, business and then the like corporate, but he's the only one I've talked to. Uh, would they allow you to speak to the franchisees? Actually, this you really don't need a, you need, don't need permission. I mean, you could probably look up who their franchisees are. You could even visit them in the ice cream truck if you wanted to. But have you done any research as to how it's working for them, what they think of it, how long they've been up and running? Because those are the people that you're about to follow in their shoes. Have you spoken with them at all or reached out? Um, just the guy that's currently the owner. He's yeah. been wonderful at, at like telling us how the business has been for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I haven't reached out to other ones outside of him. 
It's all right. You haven't signed up yet. May I ask you how many franchisees does he have in that, in the, in the business total? And is it all in one state or is it across many states? He owns one. Um, and the reason he's selling is he bought the rights to franchise rights for another business um, for all of Minneapolis, where I'm from. So it's like a competitor. Uh, it's like a donut shop. So it, it competes with the ice cream shop. So he has to sell. I'm not quite sure I understand that. Let me repeat it back because maybe I wasn't listening too well. So he he right now, the man who started the business owns and operates an ice cream shop yep. and he wants to sell it to you as a franchise e or he wants you to open a new one and he's checking out into something else is what i heard yeah yeah so he he is the franchiser of the mm -hmm. ice cream shop that i'm working with um okay. and he's wants to check out because he bought the rights to another franchise which competes yes and then what is he selling you, that particular shop or a different location? He's selling us that one. He only owns that one of the, the ice cream franchise. I see. And again, I feel like I'm missing a piece here because I don't want to give you the wrong advice, actually. Yeah. Um, so the reason he wants to sell you that one is because he has a donut shop that he feels is too much competition. So he wants to check out. Yes. So the corporate level of the donut shop said you can't be in the ice cream industry if you want the rights to the donuts, basically, for Minneapolis. So he's trading in the ice cream for the donuts. Yep. And he's asking you to buy into his old shop. Yes. I see. So it's not like the donuts are stealing his customers. It's a corporate issue with him getting involved in another business. OK, that makes sense. All right. Okay. Um, he has no one else who has the same kind of operation. It's just one place. There is one other of the same place in the Twin Cities area mm -hmm. by a different owner. By a different, oh, by a different owner or, mm -hmm. or a franchisee who bought from him or a totally different kind, a, a totally different business. Um, same franchise brand, different owner. He owns the shop but under the, the franchise. So oh, like a I'm Dunkin' Donuts. You're replacing okay. him as a licensee holder. Yeah. Yes. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, finally got it. And do you have a sense of what that's worth? He's yeah. obviously telling you what he's going to charge you, but do you have a sense of what other ones are worth? Like if you don't go to him, but go to someone else, if you go to the parent company and say, hey, I want to shop. Yeah. It's have a, you done it's, that? Yeah. yeah, it's much cheaper to buy it already established and then you know it's it's profitable right away okay so he shared with you his records and you're sure the money mm -hmm. he claims he's making is the right money yes do you have an opportunity to have someone audit that book or have a look at it i haven't done that like I, you have an accountant yes i could have an accountant he is an accountant mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well see i would like you to take that extra step you know, and I okay. think it's also and let me tell you why it's important, whether he's an accountant or not, he has the books and has the money and has experience and has the control. I'm not suggesting that he would misrepresent anything, but it happens all the time. Unintentionally mm -hmm. misrepresentation. But I thought you said, no, I didn't. I thought you said, no, no, I didn't. So I always think on financial matters, for example, I'm not very good with numbers at all. I've never have been, but I never do a single thing without somebody reviewing the numbers. 
because I know it's not my acumen and it's not offensive. So it doesn't mean, hey, I don't trust you. I want to make sure your numbers are okay. That's not what the messaging is. It's my accountant looks over all of our finances before we do anything. Would you mind if he spoke to you on the phone and got the information he needed? Then you leave it up to your accountant if he's able to review those numbers. But I think so. You're really trying to confirm the numbers is what's that. Do they make sense? And the accountant's going to know if it makes sense. If something's off here, you know, and I've had accountants stop me from investing in so many business on the simple premise that uh, something's off here, enough to hear to know that you that his problem will soon become your problem, you know. So far as visiting the other people who have bought franchisees from the parent company, if you can get over and just talk to them in that place of business, hey, I'm thinking of doing it. What's your experience? What hours? Do you really have to do it on weekends? What's your most productive time in the week? Do you roll your truck to private parties? Um, do you, is there a lot involved in licensing in the town? Oh, this is not a truck, though. It's a, it's a, it's a standalone, right? Um, it comes with both. Oh, it comes with, oh, so it's two pieces to it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so sweet. How do you best use that? I mean, you would get an education and you know what else I like about it? You get a taste for what the work ethic really is, the hours, mm -hmm. what they really are. What yeah. time do you get up in the morning? Because the only thing wrong with buying from one person without checking out the formula through other people is everybody's in love with their own baby. They're beautiful. They're perfect. You're wonderful, wonderful, you know, but you want to go talk to the other mother down the block who's ready to kill herself because her kids are a pain in the ass, you know, and see <laughs> what, what exactly is a pain in the ass about your kids, you know, yeah. and then you go in with both eyes open. So those would be my words of advice. Get your accountant, ask the accountant, reviews everything like it's a matter of course. Uh, can he be in touch with you to get some of the numbers? And the account will let you know how forthcoming that is. And then the second thing is take a bigger bite of the apple before you sign up. You know, and that's very easily done. And bring your husband with you. You're going to work the business together. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. It would even be useful for you if you see a couple running another business. Okay. What's the issues with a couple running a business together? I've done that before. You know, there's it's can be as great on some areas and as terrible for a marriage on the others. Just get the ladle in there. How do you find it? Who does what? Okay. I generally find when there's a couple, quite honestly, the wife does most of the work. Yeah, on franchises, you know, she's the up early person. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you, you want to size that up and see how it fits both of you as well. Okay. Definitely. Well, but thank you, you so task. much. Give yourself a deadline. You got a month to finish the tasking on it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you might lose your too much enthusiasm and pass by a great opportunity. Just want to keep it going, but get thorough, thorough, thorough. Yeah. I'll see you around town, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I hope it all yes. works out for you. Okay. Thank Bye, you so Lisa. much for the advice. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Hey, Barbara. My name is Seth Miller, and I uh, just opened up my own uh, counseling private practice here down in Texas. Uh, I was wondering, I, I want to end up growing it into you know, a big group practice, but I'm struggling with when to open it up and, and hire new counselors. Um, I'm doing pretty well on my own, um, but not sure when to you know, take that leap and uh, get a bigger space to be able to hire in new people. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, thanks. Bye. Um, Seth, how long have you had your practice? Give me a little background. 
Yeah. So I've been in counseling um, and, and mental health since 2012. I've been a licensed counselor since 2015. And then I just stepped out and, and started my own practice. My first full month was September. So I've had oh. two full months now. Um, so pretty fresh. Pretty wow. Fresh. And that's, yeah. it strikes me like that's a very short period of time for you to decide that you now want to expand again. Most people have their feet on the ground a couple of years before they make that decision. Yeah, it's, it's true. I, I think that this is, I mean, it's been something that I've always wanted to do. Um, it's been my passion to have, you know, I love counseling and I, and I love working with people directly, but I've always been the type that kind of likes to have my foot in that, but mm-hmm. then also have my, my foot in the leading other people to do, you know, to, to kind of like widen my impact sort of mm-hmm. a thing. So like bringing more people on um, and having a little bit of a supervisory um, or management kind of role. Um, I think that brings, that brings joy to my life. Mm-hmm. So you, you have had this in your head a while. Mm-hmm. So you j- jumped out, started your own practice, but long before that you were thinking, I really like to have a team of people that work for me, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So in direct answer to your question, when should you do it? I would say yesterday. Okay. Yeah. And for a couple of reasons, um, I always think that someone who has ambition to grow beyond where they are standing, whatever that ambition is, mm-hmm. I have a f- I've, I've always noted that it comes and it goes away somehow. Life changes. Mm-hmm. So you have the ambition to mm-hmm. uh, turn your singular practice into a larger business. Yeah. Um, the best time to do it is right now because you have right. the ambition. You, you can see it in your mind's eye. Can you mm-hmm. see it in your mind's eye like a business Absolutely. plan, but a visual? Yeah. 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 So tell me what that looks like. How many people would you have? Where would you be located? Um, would everybody be there together instantly? You're seeing one at a time. Where would you recruit? What kind of people are you after? Tell me what your picture looks like. Yeah. So, so right now, well, the name of my practice is Abundant Family Counseling. And so through, you know, in my experience um, in the last five or six years being a counselor, I've really focused my, my personal experience on working with kids, um, families, and then trauma are kind of the, my three big areas. And so I would like to, to really, you know, stay in that lane and kind of make a name for myself in that lane. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I've, what I envision is having a big, a, a big space, um, you know, having a playroom uh, or a play therapy, you know, space that counselors can share, having several offices, and then, um, you know, in, in each counselor having their own space. I've worked in private practices before where um, counselors are required to share space. Um, and, and I've found that it's just not, you know, it's not as effective. There's little annoyances. There's, um, you know, counselors don't feel like they're able to make that space their own and really create the environment they want in that office. And so that throws the game off a little bit. Um, and that's pretty common in, in our world is sharing that space. I would like to, to get away from that. I think that it inhibits things. Um, one of the things that I've been debating, though, that I'd like to you know, hear your feedback on and get some advice is what sort of model to, to use um, when I do bring people on. And so in my mind, there's kind of two options, um, either just, just hiring people and having them be my employee and then you know, taking a, paying them a percentage of what their income is that they bring in. So say they, you know, bring in, um, you know, $60,000 a year, I would take 45, 50, whatever percentage of that, and then pay them the rest. There's is, a, that, is that, may I ask you, is that typical in your field? Yeah. It strikes yes. me as very high. In other words, you would take half the earnings. Yeah, it is. It's very high. Um, 
which is an, another reason why I stepped out. Um, so in, in my most recent practice that I was in, uh, I had a full caseload um, of, you know, 30, 35 people a week. Um, and I was bringing in 80, $90,000 to the practice on my own. And I was making 50, um, 45. And so uh, the, I, I was losing 50% of my income. Then what did yeah. you get for giving that $50,000 or 40,000 away to the practice? What did they provide for you? Yeah. So I got um, the space, my office that I shared with another counselor. Um, I got the, uh, our electronic medical record. Um, mm that's not that expensive. And then I, I got marketing basically. Um, so when I, I, I lived in Indiana, uh, and we moved down to Texas two years ago and, um, in Indiana, I had started a practice and was just starting to grow it. When we uh-huh. moved down here, I didn't know anybody, you know, no, uh-huh. no connections or anything like that. And so I really valued that marketing, um, uh-huh. so that I could get clients in, but those were, are the primary things. May I ask you, uh, the marketing brought you in all of your clients or after a while you got word of mouth clients from your original base? Yeah. So after a while that, that seemed to shift and I did get, you know, I started to get quite a few clients and, you know, from word of mouth, from previous clients that had good experiences with me that would refer their friends to me, Uh um, that shifted. Uh And what percentage toward the end were you get on new clients? Were you getting from the practice and what were you getting on your own through referrals? I didn't track it, but just a, a roundabout guess, I would probably say 75% on my own. And then, mm-hmm. you know, a, another quarter from just the practice. Mm-hmm. Would you be able to do great marketing for a group of people and draw people in? Is that your acumen? Do you know how to accomplish it? And do you know what it costs? Could you afford that? I believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've, you know, I was able, when I moved over on my own, I was able to bring all my clients with me. Mm-hmm. which was a great benefit, but, um, I've really tried to hit the ground running with, with that on my own, because I know I need to make a name for, you know, not just Seth Miller, but abundant family counseling, um, out in the community. So I, I know I have a lot to learn with that, but I, I enjoy that part of it. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think I can. Okay. All right. So, um, a nice way to figure out what a good model for a business is, if you've walked in the shoe shoes of who you're trying to hire mm-hmm. is to make a list of what you liked about what you had as an employee and what you hated about it. So what you didn't like about it was the uh, tremendous amount of money they took a little bit less than what is it about half of is I was a little confused. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So as an individual walking in those shoes, working for someone, because you're going to be the future someone that somebody else is going to walk for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What didn't you like about it? So you already said you liked having a private office or you wished you had a private office. You were sharing an office. You didn't like that. Okay. So that doesn't work. So, just handling one piece at a time. I think that is an excellent uh, conclusion for you to say you should allow people their own office. Okay. 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 I think you know that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's all different ways you could allow people their own office because you're renting square footage. It's a Mm -hmm. business expense that you're going to pay whether these people are bringing any money to you or not. So the question is how large an office does someone need? Um, I am such a believer in light. I rented offices all over New York City, which is not the lightest town uh, in town <laughs> ever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I was able to really uh, probably be so cheap with square footage with each person yeah. hired. But because the coloring was bright, 
the right lighting. I had lots of windows. Mm -hmm. It was pleasant to come into. And right. so I think the design makes a heck of a difference in how much square footage you have to spend to get a private office, you know? That's so I, I'm sure you're out shopping now or about to go out shopping, but I would pay attention more to the windows than I would the square footage. How can it be divided? Because you people will be happy in a tiny little room if you got mm -hmm. a big window versus a big room that's depressing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so a skinnier building I always rented in because I had more exterior window space than mm. any kind of a deep floor plate, you know, and yeah, I don't yeah. know your market, how that works. Okay. The important question is how much percentage must you take from these people? Right. And why that's so important to conclude on is that could be a king marketing advantage for you mm -hmm. to recruit where everybody leaves their other people and want to come working for you. You're yeah. basically buying them at a better split. How have you done your numbers to know what kind of split you can offer where you are still, if you had, well, first of all, how many people are you aiming for? Six people, 10 people, what initially on your first move? Um, initially I would like five. That's kind of my. Okay. Five plus you six offices yes. and a common yes. place space for the kids. Mm -hmm. And a, I guess a, a common entrance. Lobby. Yeah. Lobby. Yeah. Okay. All right. So six people, how much, uh, considering that an average person would take in what? A t I think you're a superstar as a counselor. And what you took in for the other firm was highest probably than anybody in that shop, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, an average good. person, what would they take in? Um, 40,050? So yeah. Somewhere around 40, I would guess. Yeah. yeah. So how much of that 40 do you need to cover your overhead? Have you figured that out? Figure out what your overhead is, divide it by six people, and come up with a desk cost or an office cost. I think you yeah. always have to know that on the on your thumb. Yeah, yeah, and I think a large part of that, I, I've gotten you know the all of my overhead down of what it would cost outside of that real estate space. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the one thing that you know real estate around here just seems to be going crazy and everywhere else. But um, I think that's the one part that's sort of holding me back from coming up with a firm number on that. Mm -hmm. But you probably know a range though, right? Yeah. So I think I could get away with around 30. Well, you could take 30% and let them have the rest. Yeah. Yes. And would that be uh, shocking to people to hear that you're willing to take that small split or is that also common so. in your area? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I, when I first moved down here, if I had found a practice that only took 30%, I would have jumped on that very quickly. And what if you took 40%, would that be exceptional or not? Um, that would still be good. I think the lowest that I found was 45 that people were taking. Mm -hmm. um, so 40 would, would still kind of beat the, the competition. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be as drastic, but it would, it would beat the competition in the area. Um, you know what number I like? And of course you have to plug the numbers in once you know what your space and your right. construction costs, phones, charges, you got insurance, you got some legal documents, you know, you have Definitely. to add all that up, divide by six and see what the real desk cost is. Mm -hmm. But I, the number that appeals to me, because I, I just like the way it sounds like from a marketing view, a third. You take two thirds. I take a third. Ooh, I like that. You know, okay. It just makes it feel like, hey, I got the better end of the deal <laughs> with yeah. two thirds. It feels like generous that. versus I'll take 30 percent. feels like a tax. Yeah. I don't yeah. like the tone of that. OK. So, I like that so, so see if that matter, if that works in real numbers. I suspect if you think it will work with 30 percent, then 33 percent is 3 percent better yeah. for you. But yeah. I think it sounds somehow 3 percent better to them. I don't know why that is, you know. <laughs> OK. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you rent the office, um, I don't think you have to wait to rent the office to start recruiting. I okay. think you were recruiting now at your current office and you had uh, a vision 
um, and be able to explain the vision of the kind of office you're out looking for. A couple of offices you rejected, they weren't nice enough. You mm-hmm. believe in this, you you know, want to have a shared space, what kind of tools, you know, you want to have certain things for the kids in that shared space, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I think your interviews could be remarkable because you could okay. conduct them as though it's an interview of what's important to them. And you want to know? That's a great idea because you find a whole list of nuances, you know, maybe the bell system, how people come in, where they wait. Do they like to wait with other people? You know, all the nuances would equip you well to to go out and lease the right space. So, And the advantage is you start lining up people in advance before you Mm -hmm. actually get the space, which you might even find that you rent for 12 desks. Okay. Yeah. Experience. You don't really know or cut it back and say, oh, I better do two deaths initially, which mm-hmm. I doubt very much, but you might up the ante a bit with okay. feedback, you know? And yeah. then last, even though you're not asking me, I just wanted to uh, suggest that you sit down mm-hmm. and make a list of what you're looking for in those people. What okay. are the three most important qualities? You know, I, I have the feeling you're very good with your people sense and your intuition on things. Uh, or your practice wouldn't have done as well as they did. I mean, intuition and and people skills. I can't imagine in your field you being weak on that and doing well. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. Okay. I better be good at this. Yeah. <laughs> but it's different when you're hiring somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you you really should give a little thought as what is it really I want in this team as though they're family members that you're going to keep for the next 20 years? What yeah. is it that do you need a certain age group that appeals to your clientele? Do you need a certain amount of enthusiasm level? Do you need a certain look? They don't look right for your clientele. All right. Yeah, Do you need yeah. them coming in with a referral base that they can automatically draw from? I mean, you can, uh, I think you should really uh, clear in your sharpshooting of what you want out of an individual. Right. Yes. That's most, amazing. but the most important thing, and I could talk to you forever, and I'm probably talking too much rather than asking you questions. Oh, not at all. That's good. <laughs> okay. Uh, but the, but the most important thing is to get the hell out there and start doing it. Okay. You don't have to get it right. You just have to get it going. Absolutely. Okay. Uh-huh. And I, I suggest that whatever you're thinking of uh, looking at at space, look at double the space as well at the same time. Okay. You don't okay. know what you're going to find until you start that interview process. And I could so easily uh, see you outgrowing a space you just improved in about two years flat. Nothing yeah. wrong with leaving empty offices. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's cheaper if you don't have to equip them. Okay. Nothing's worse than being stuck in a lease. Where the where the you know like a fish bowl where the bowl's mm-hmm. not big enough to grow. Thanks, Barbara, so much. My pleasure, so much. Alrighty. Let's take a short break to talk about a company I love. Now let's get back to the show. Hi, Barbara. My name is Mary, and I'm here in Chicago, Illinois, downtown Chicago. And with the pandemic over the last 16, 17 months, as a single mom of college girls, I've definitely struggled um, just to keep my income where it was and to continue my trajectory of success with my career. So I'm considering a side hustle. As a you know, entrepreneur and professional yourself, how do you feel about someone starting a side hustle later in life and and, you know, transitioning to maybe a non-corporate role and what that transition might look like. Thanks. I liked your question a lot, Mary. First, let me just say, a single mom of two college girls, you made it to the finish line. Amazing. How long have you been a single mom? Um, about six years now. So yeah. it's been the most expensive portion of their upbringing, for sure. So, <laughs> so I'm starting over from scratch and trying to 
lead by example for my daughters on how to do it on your own. So oh, well, I'm sure you you've already set that example. Uh, you know, I try, I try, I try, I try. Well, kids will always um, do what they see, not what they're told. So I'm sure you've probably succeeded by virtue of your own effort. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like I'm in a place in my career that I'm happy with. I just want to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to secure the most secure financial future for my, myself and my children. And, you know, the other component of this is my mom never did this for herself. And so I don't ever want to have to look at my children and say, take care of me. You know, mm. I want to be independent, mm. independent. So, well, you have to thank your mom for teaching you that lesson in reverse. <laughs> True enough. Somehow True enough. It's affected you. Um, your question was about starting a side hustle. I'd love to ask you, what was, what's your current occupation? What are you doing now? Salesperson in the recruiting space. So, um, I, um, just recently took a, a pretty big promotion. So I'm actually uh, running a team here in Chicago. But, you know, Chicago is a major market for us. And so there's a lot of responsibility in that role. Um, but I just want to try. I know that I'm in the probably the highest earning years of my life because yeah. I'm 48. And, you know, we've kind of gotten over our, our newbiness in our career. And we're, we're ready to, you know, be experienced and hit the ground running. Um, so my current role does require, I mean, like probably a 50 to 60 hour work week. And intense if you have responsibilities. Yeah. I mean, I'm responsible for a team. So I'm responsible for their development. I'm responsible for the P&L of the market. I'm responsible for all those things. Mary, do you go into work to work with your team or are you pretty much at home now? And will that continue? Uh, I work from home to talk to you today, Barbara, because I'm the boss and I can do that. <laughs> but typically as the boss, I am in the office because I want to, you know, kind of lead by example once again. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Um, what I'm surprised to hear, actually, uh, that you would have the time to start a side hustle. How would you manage that? Can you paint a picture for me? And what kind of business well, do you want to start? Well, that's kind of my question. So I have been... Some folks have reached out to me about, you know, I've had success with multi-level marketing and you just do it on social media and things of that nature. Um, but I know with social media, there's a lot of ways you can, you know, enhance your income and, you know, just by utilizing your, and that can be, you know, minimal amount of time a day or, or more time a day, depending on how, how much you lean into it. But I also my concern is, is I know to be successful, you know, as I enter into a leadership role for a big company, I need to be hundred percent layers of focus on what I'm doing and be able to, um, you know, I got to drive success for my team and I don't want to have my outside activities take away from that. Mm -hmm. So you're not totally committed to starting a side hustle. You're debating. Well, I've kind of dabbled in it a little bit. Um, a friend of mine has, um, you know, she's a, so the genesis of this, Barbara, was in addition to all of this in the background, I've always been pretty fit my whole life. And with the pandemic, I kind of sat on my couch and ate pasta like the rest of the you country did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm trying to get back to my old self. So, um, you know, a friend of mine is, is in the fitness world. And, um, you know, she was like, if you can promote, you know, kind of what we're doing, I'll, I'll cut you in and, and that kind of model. Um, so I've started kind of dabbling in that a little bit, but really it's also from the genesis of this is just something I want to do for myself. Mm -hmm. So my thinking is there's got to be other people like me. There's got to be, there's got to be other, you know, both men and women who sat at home for the year and a half and, you know, now they're getting back to work and maybe the suits are a little tight 
and they're like, you know, what can I do to, to kind of jumpstart my fitness routine? Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely clear yet on uh, the friend uh, and what you're doing for them. I, mm-hmm. I was running down the road of thinking you were promoting them in some sense through social yep. media to help yep. their business and being paid for that, or maybe not, maybe doing it as a courtesy uh, to test out the idea of, could I do this for a lot of people? Yep. Am I right? But then, then I got confused when you said you'd like to jumpstart other people to get in shape. I'm not sure they feel like two different gods. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, it's again, my thinking of, um, I know that this is how I feel. So there's got to be other people that feel the same way in my life. I, I know you're never alone, right? No, so as, as what I would you do about- with that in as a side hustle with that acceptance of that truth, which I'm sure is spot on? Um, mm-hmm. What would you how would you turn that into a side hustle? I'd like a little bit clearer sense of that. Yeah. So the the side hustle that I've kind of tiptoed into is a, like I said, it's a multi-level marketing platform where you this other person for this other person mm-hmm. like yourself. Okay. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Yeah. And then, and then eventually I could build my own kind of presence in, you know, kind of underneath her. It's, it's, you know, you hear the term pyramid scheme and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I happen to know these products. I've used them before. So I believe in the product. Um, I guess I'm just trying to understand as a professional, you know, one of the things as in my line of work is my online presence is already on LinkedIn as a recruiter. I, I have that presence as a market leader here in Chicago. Did you create that for yourself or did your company do that? Is I that create, that's, that's yeah. my network. Mm-hmm. That's my network. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so again, just for a moment to take a sidewind to the friend in the fitness mm-hmm. business. So in a way you were envisioning it of, of almost being her Avon lady calling or her franchisee. Correct. Under her umbrella. Correct. Have you, uh, you haven't started that. How has it been going trying to build her business? She used the, to do the what I you, the efforts you have made on her behalf. How has that gone? Because that's a great experiment to have a look at. Yeah. Um, I so far, you know, like I'm using the product, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I have a girlfriend who I talked to last night and she was like, it seems like it's working for you. So I'd love to to give it a try as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, this is very early stages, very, very early stages. I have made, you know, I've I would say if you looked at like how much time I have, mm-hmm. I would say I'm spending maybe 5% of my time on this. I see. But if you're going to do something bigger with you, you'd have to dedicate a little more time than that, I'm sure, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I asked you the question on your on your podcast because I recognize you as a leader within your own organization mm-hmm. and you've always got lots of things going, right? So kind of how do you how do you manage that? How does how does a busy professional manage that? <laughs> By being perfectly clear on what your priorities are what pays, what doesn't pay, what's got the best chances of blooming into a beautiful flower versus a little bud that's going to stay on the vine, Uh, Mm -hmm. what uh, lights your fire in your soul, uh, which generally is parallel to what's going to work. Uh, Generally, your soul doesn't send you too far to the left or the right. It stays Mm -hmm. consistent with, uh, you know, kind of like, I don't want to sound like witchcraft, but like what the universe is is calling out to you. Okay. responds to that. But before I say that, uh, or I could talk more on that, but it strikes me as though your real talent in your full-time job and with this other woman who has this 
of a healthcare product or business. I'm not sure you haven't really described that what that is. Um, your real talent is your ability to build a brand on social media to get traction. Is that is that your your great talent? Were you working now and with her? I think it's that, but bigger than that, Barbara. I think it's my ability to relate to people. I mean, that's what I do as a recruiter, right? I yes. I meet people. I mean, uh-huh. that's my job. Both hiring managers and talent. I meet people. Right. <laughs> so let me tell you, know. you what I don't like about your idea. You you we wanted honest advice. You don't mind if I give you the bad, the mm-hmm. ugly, right? I'm an, I'm an, I'm an ex Jersey girl. I can take it. (laughs) I think, I think that the product is working for you and it's helping you along the way. And you can convince other people to do it is very nice, but I don't think you should be building a business on it, even as a sidewinder, as a, as a sidekick or whatever you want to define it as, Uh, because I think side hustles are valuable when they could lead to something that becomes full-time and makes a lot more money than what you're doing in full-time for somebody else. And I don't see the potential of that unless I haven't listened well enough, all right? I would rather see you uh, do the marketing for her, the people skills for her, uh, whatever you can do on social media platforms to build her business and have a success story and then take that to a totally unrelated business and do it again for somebody in the dry cleaning business and do it again for someone who sells vacuums and then do it again for... Because I think if you could get one success story, you have a power pulling card uh, to sell it to someone else. Your people skills uh, are golden. Uh, Assume uh, that's like the air you breathe. If you know you're good with people, that will open any door you want to open. It just does because people relate to you and you can can fast build the communication, get your messaging across. And that's the most powerful form of selling, all right? So I, I don't think you should even give that a second. It's just a question of where do you want to apply it uh, where it would have the greatest potential? And maybe, because I'm listening to you carefully, I don't feel um, at all that I'm listening to a Mary who's committed to starting her own business and really desirous of that. Because most of the language I've heard has been your commitment, obligation, and success with what you're doing already. I don't hear a discontented Mary who can't stand the corporate culture anymore, isn't getting ahead and wants to get the hell out of there, you know? So you're on a scale one to 10, you're pretty up like like a 10. And that takes a lot of motivation away from starting something new. So if it's an avocation for the healthcare, whatever that is, that lady does that you've bought into, then label it an avocation and you could help her work on a part-time or recommend it to your friends. But I would not see it as uh, at all a sidewinder or a new start to new business, which, uh, which is the way you were positioning it. I think it's a waste of time on that. I think kind of avocation hobby, that's a category. And then your business, which is you're working for someone you're doing so well and you're making money. And you've mentioned uh, your ultimate God, I would suspect, is being a good provider for those kids. Oh, 1000%. Right. So you've found that road to being a good provider for your kids. You've already impressed them with the very important duty of uh, being a strong woman. They're going to mimic it. So if you think about it, you've slayed the biggest dragons right there. The rest is like a little dessert (laughs) or cream. This is like a little dessert if you're excited by all means, work on it and have fun but I wouldn't look at it as something to put a lot of time into because your other time is so well spent and so satisfying. I can't imagine why you take away from it. And I think you 
speak to kind of, so when I called you, it was mm-hmm. right when I was offered this director role and I was oh. kind of in this place wow. of like, do I leap into management or do I go for another this? direction? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I made the decision to go this route. And I think you're right. Like I'm not totally, I mean, we all get beaten down by the corporate world eventually, but <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not there yet because I feel like I've got a lot of, a lot, a lot of runway ahead of me. Oh, I think you have a heck of a lot of runway. And I have to tell you from my own experience, not that I ever worked for corporate America, except as a receptionist or a waitress in the cafeteria. So I don't have that kind of experience that you have. But I have to tell you when I left my firm, which had a thousand people, teams, people I was affectionate about, people I worked with every day and went on my own again to start a new, a little side, mm-hmm. a new thing. Um, mm-hmm. The hardest part for me was working by myself and losing the great team and the camaraderie and the shared joy and the sh- shared defeats. I didn't realize how very important that was to my personality because I too am a very people person. People is the main thing I do well. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would not really uh, picture you being that happy sitting at home, uh, getting something else started and letting go of that great teammanship and probably the pride you feel in having formed a lot of those people and gotten them to a different spot, which is quite an accomplishment. Not everybody can oh, do that. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> like I said, when I called you, I was very much like at an inflection point of, Isn't you know, I mean, you reached out and the universe answered without me even calling you and say, you are promoted, Mary, stay with <laughs> us. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. My kids were like, you're going to talk to Barbara? <laughs> I mean, my kids know who you are. So it's, it's kind of a moment for me. So yeah, no, I appreciate the time. And, and I love you. I follow you on like social and all that good stuff. I love your, I love your straight talk advice. I value it. Um, I, I come from your part of the country. So, you know, I, I always joke. I have no New yeah. York facts. And I'm surprised to hear that. You don't um, even sound like you're from Chicago, for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah, I, I've lived all over the country, so I'm kind ah, of um, yeah, yeah, yeah. My ex-husband's career took us all over the country, but um, yeah, no, I, I appreciated the chat, and yeah, I think you're right. I think I would be lonely trying to start something on my own, and I do value the idea of a team. That's important yeah. to me. Which is worth it, of course, being lonely and everything else. It's worth it if you're meant to do it, if you have that passion, but I don't mm-hmm. feel that passion. Yeah. So okay. congratulations on your enormous success. Thank you. Runway. I'm sure it's just thank the beginning you. again. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And My I appreciate pleasure, the time today. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. And that's all we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.